Hello, and thank you everybody for joining us today. Just wanted to post a quick reminder that you can grab a free copy of our book, The Book of Public Speaking, at, not surprising, thebookofpublicspeaking.com. So again, go grab your free copy of The Book of Public Speaking at thebookofpublicspeaking.com today. Whether you're wanting to communicate more effectively, you're wanting to speak from stages, whether you're wanting to become a bigger influencer or get your message out in various ways, this uh, book will serve you, I feel, in a massive way in any of those regards. So go grab your free copy today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. It is Corey Poirier, and excited to be back with the latest edition of the show, and also excited to have a first-time guest with us today. As our listeners know, we love bringing on new guests and introducing them to our audience. Uh, so Duff Gardner, really excited to have you here today. And Duff, I think where I'd like to start, for those listeners who may be discovering you for the first time, could you tell us a little bit about your backstory and or journey? Absolutely, Corey. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, well, uh, let's see. Uh, you know, like what I like to talk about is the fact that I think that I've learned in my my business career that there's this idea of being investable that's really important that people understand. And so, when I started my career, uh, I got really into the startup world, and uh, I I created this startup that was a real stretch goal for me. Um, it was a lot of technology. I wasn't particularly tech savvy at the time, and as I got into it uh, deeper and deeper. Um, the thing that I learned as I went through that process is how to get people to know, like, and trust you in such a way they're going to invest in you. And I think that as I go forward in my business and talk to pe- a lot of people who are in the, I call it the coaching and transformation world, I find that that's kind of a place where people struggle, um, that they have sort of forgotten some of the key core business concepts that, that are important when you are trying to get people to know, like, and trust you. So for me, I, what I try to do right now is I bring that rigor of what I call the startup thinking into the transformation world and help people set themselves up for success uh, following the principles I learned through the startup process. That's, that's, that's yeah. Kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, uh, yeah, there you go. So Duff, I guess then the follow-up to that is based on doing that work, why do you think people still struggle so much, kind of, I'll call it merging those two worlds? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking me that question. I actually have a strong opinion on that, Corey. So, like, I'm 54 years old now, and, you know, I've had a lot of life experience. And so, a lot of the folks that I work with end up being sort of in the 40 to 65 zone. Um, and so, I have my opinion on that is that we have grown up in a system of education, which is a linear system, which has prepared us for a certain kind of thing. Uh, some people call it industrialized learning, preparing us for factory work. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's quite that strong, but it's true. It was developed, a system developed pre-war. And to a certain degree, even though there's shifts in education today, that system endures. And so for people like me, I look at people who are younger, who are doing really interesting things, influencers who are just they're stepping into this new digital world and doing great things. And so I find with a lot of the people I work with, they have this internal resistance that gets built up. 
And my, my position is it's foundation. Like it, it comes from growing up in a linear system and lit, trying to overlay that into a system which is digital, networked, and dynamic. So I think that a lot of us struggle for that exact reason. We're living in this new normal that we didn't exactly get prepared for. And to take that one step further, uh, there's predictions that in the next 10 years, over 50% of us will be in some form of self-employment, freelancing, working for ourselves, even if it's a side hustle kind of a situation. So if you, if you really think about that, um, the, 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 the skill of learning how to live in that dynamic environment is really important in order to create expansion in your business. So uh, a bit of a long answer, but that's where I believe that a lot of this idea of resistance and struggle comes from. And do you feel, uh, Duff, that we're moving in the right direction to, let's say, having less of that struggle and less of that resistance? Or what are your thoughts on that side? Uh, I'm not so sure. I have a lot of admiration for, again, like younger folks who just step into challenging situations. I actually think that, you know, w before the current system was set up, uh, people learned by a process that is called learning by doing, right? It's you, it focuses on practicing, um, apprenticeship, uh, getting mentors, very specific goals, um, prob you know, problem solving, very, you know, that, and, and so uh, my position is that a lot of younger folks, what they're doing is they are stepping into the sort of a learning by doing in a digital world, and that's why they're thriving. Whereas if you try to, like, for example, if, um, if, you're, if somebody's in a bit of a struggle and they're facing a challenge, this idea of practicing is so, it's so basic, but we don't do that. We just try to, um, there's, there's this, uh, there's this, uh, picture that if you are in the startup world, it's called minimum viable product. And so what a lot of us are trying to do is to instantly create a car. And if the car doesn't get created right away, we keep trying. Whereas younger people are just building a skateboard, then they're building a scooter, then they're building a, a motorcycle, then they're building the car, this idea of iterating. And so I think that a lot of folks, my generation could be well served by learning how to, um, to iterate and create things that people really want and to practice learning by doing in the context of this digital world that we currently live in. So Duff, one of the things uh, on your show, I mean, yeah. the idea is, is helping people take action and get off their duff, if you will. Yes. Um, so having done the interviews you've done already, what have you found to be the common reason people don't get off their duff or don't take action? Right. Thanks. Um, well, I, you know, it comes back to what I'm just talking about. Like, I think that um, we, uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I got interested in the topic of resistance. Uh, uh, you know, like I, I probably go to an event once a month. And so I meet a lot of people who are service-based entrepreneurs who are very impact driven and they want to make a difference in people's lives. And so what tends to happen is they either get super focused on an abstract concept where they want to help people. So in other words, uh, their clients are, you know, wanting to go into Walmart and buy, buy a pack of gum and they're coming at them and saying, here, we want, I want to sell you a whole washer and dryer set. Uh, and it's, and it's not clear. And I'm, I'm going to take an hour to explain to you what it is. Um, so it's just, it's this idea of grounding uh, what you're trying to tell people about in some simple ideas and then and then sort of embodying this idea of learning by doing as you practice it.
yeah, it's, um, I feel, yeah, it's, it's interesting that people do struggle with the idea of how do we take action whenever, you know, one of the things I always struggle with myself is the fact that we've had, we've had so many examples of how to do it. And we hear, we've heard for so long, the fun, fundamentals of how to do it. But it seems like with all things, we also almost have to, every person has to seem to learn all over for themselves rather than maybe learning from past experience. And I think that becomes a challenge sometimes. Whereas if somebody can write a book and, and demonstrate perfectly how they dealt with the situation, but then for, for some reason, we still want to kind of go and learn it all in the trenches again. Uh, so for me, it feels like there's also some of that too, where some people you know, want to learn it by themselves in the trenches starting over. And some people are like, I, you know, I don't want to spend decades learning what I can learn in days. Yeah, one thing I admire about you is that you're super scrappy in what you do. Like, I don't think you spend a lot of time sitting around thinking about doing things. Like, you just sort of step into it. And uh, from what I know about you, and so I think that you know people struggle with that idea because they've they've done that, and they might maybe they feel like they've been burned, or they're not quite clear on the path forward or the steps to take. So um, anyway, so this idea of uh, it's actually something that I get into a lot in the clients I work with. So definitely. Like in my career, I have learned how to, uh, you know, do a few things. And one of the things that we try to do is we try to help people create offers that convert. Uh, because I've found that in, in when you're a service-based entrepreneur and if you want to make an impact and you want to get off your, butt, your butt or your duff, as we talked about, that is literally the key thing is that um, uh, your offer is kind of like the, your foundation. So what happens if you don't, focus on creating a good offer and instead you go and try to create marketing first or create these amazing very complex products is that it's like building a house on quicksand it might look really good at the beginning but the cracks will start to form and it's you know eventually it's just not going to work very well so what i do is i focus on this eight-step process um, that I call be an investable offer when i work with clients so that people know like and trust them it's really important so they have a um, uh, so they learn how to stand in their value. So they, they, uh, they, uh, they can create expansion in their business and uh, sort of take them out of that, that realm of struggle. So that, that's one way that I do that. Um, I actually, we've just released this thing called the impact scorecard uh, in the last week. And what it does is it, uh, it takes people through a process of, uh, what it what it does is it's like it's an assessment. Uh, I think it's the only performance scorecard in the coaching industry that I'm aware of. And what it does is it looks at five key learning indicators, sorry, five key performance indicators uh, around your business. And it gives me a sense of like, you know, where you're applying focus optimally and where you could uh, improve your focus a little bit in the business. So I, I love that because I feel too having that blueprint, if you will, or that map is, mm -hmm. I mean, it's crucial. It's, you know, again, same ideas. If somebody's already traveled down this path, why do we want to create a new one? I, excuse me. And I understand the, the power of being a leader. And like you said, about me making quick decisions, but I also think uh, if somebody can give you the key, why would you want to try to knock down the door with a sledgehammer? And, right. Or I may even use the analogy or metaphor of trying to knock it down with a mouth, <laughs> you know, where right. it's going to take forever. But I mean, you know, having said that, when you mentioned about me as far as taking action quickly, it's really interesting that 
you say that today, and I actually, um, I'm working on a, a documentary right now, and we were actually listening to some of the interviews. And the one I listened to most recently was with Bob Proctor. Mm-hmm. And Bob shared how he's read Think and Grow Rich, the same copy of the book for 57 years every day. And he talked about how one of the things that pulled him in the most when he read Napoleon Hill was how the leaders Napoleon Hill, let's say, focused on and interviewed made decisions quickly, but made change slowly. So they would, you know, they would make a decision, they would move forward, but they wouldn't change things super quick. And he, he became obsessed trying to learn why that was. And right. so it's interesting because I feel I fit that bill, but it was never intentional. And yet at the same time, I've read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich more than any other book. So I wonder if that kind of rubbed <laughs> off on me. And I'm right now, I'm just in the, within the conversation trying to even dissect where that came from. But I'm right. kind of feeling ever hearing Bob say it today, and after hearing you mention it again, that maybe that's where it came from. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, like the thing is too, Corey, like we're all different people. We're all, we have different skill sets. So part of that impact scorecard that I've created takes that into account. So for example, some people are, um, score very high on emotional intelligence. They're really good at building relationships with people. They're really, you know, they don't have a problem going out and building key relationships. Um, I call it the quadrant of leverage where you're, um, you're, you're really skilled at doing that. There's, there's, a, there's a way that your business, you insert it into the, the narrative of your industry and that is your strength. Uh, whereas other people are more skilled at um, uh, performance intelligence or, or practical intelligence. They're scrappy, they, they're good at doing, they're good at responding to events that happen. Other people are more um, uh, visionaries you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's people who are more, we would describe them as geeks, as they geek out on topics. And so they're very good at seeing patterns and ideas. Um, they tend to be, in the corporate world, they tend to be analysts, but when they're, when they're in the entrepreneur world, they're the ones that see the really unique patterns. They carve the unique paths and they can actually be the real, um, real influencers because they carve out new territory, they carve out blue ocean. So um, that, that's what the assessment or the sort of the performance scorecard attempts to do is give, give me and the person who's taking that performance scorecard a bit of a sense of where they're, where they're doing great, a great job and where they could probably apply more focus. So, yeah, but we're all different, right? So, 100%. And yeah. you know, that's why I like the idea even of personality types and looking further into that to seeing how that impacts who you are For and, sure. and how you act and make decisions. And so I guess the follow-up for that, Duff, is from your perspective, where did this all come from? Like, what inspired you to take this path? And um, who inspires you, if you will? And who did you learn from? I mean, I'm just curious if you had mentors or people that inspired you along this way as well. Uh, You know, I had a a mentor who since passed away when I created my first startup. And he he wanted to write a book called Just Give Me the Bullets. And uh, I don't know, I think whenever I think of, whenever I get asked that question, I, I tend to think of him. He was kind of instrumental in helping me to go from a very shy person with an idea to um, creating a startup that um, was really successful in its time. So um, I tend to think of, of him when I think of that kind of question. But the other thing is too, I, I was fortunate after that, I, um, I went and took a grad, grad degree in learning science. The mentor I had there, is like a global leader in this idea of learning um, and artificial intelligence, actually, those two things. 
super influenced by him. His name is Dr. Roger Shank. Um, I've only met him a few times, but his teachings and his philosophy around how learning is broken and how we need to step into a new paradigm is very influential in the way I think about the world. And then finally, um, you know, I, 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 after that, I, I was fortunate to be in the industry uh, up here in British Columbia, which is heavily influenced by game development. In its heyday, we were the, the top jurisdiction, like just in terms of employment numbers um, in the world for games. And that was originally driven a lot by electronic arts and starting here and all the different infrastructure that built around it. And so I got to work in that industry for a while and I got to know some pretty cool people. And so um, there's people that are actually more in the Silicon Valley that are in the innovation field and the game development field that really influenced me. There's a book written a decade ago now, uh, Jane McGonigal, Reality is Broken. I love that book. It's just, and her teachings, um, which are essentially a way to take some of the principles that were built by game designers that we see in all the products that we consume today, all the different digital products that we consume, um, and to overlay some of those ideas that game developers created uh, into our lives to perform at a higher level. So um, I, right now, I tend to get influenced a lot by that kind of thing. And are you a, uh, are you a big reader? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm a speed reader, so I read really fast. So that's kind of weird, actually, a weird <laughs> answer to your question. I read really fast, so maybe I'm not very patient anymore, but I can, I can, I can go through a book in a few hours, so I tend to do that. Yeah. And now, the other thing I'm curious about, having a podcast yourself, yeah. I'd love to dive into two things. You know, sure. One, I asked you about asking the question often about get off your duff, but I'd love to hear if there's any one or two things that come to your mind, Duff, that you've learned interviewing people that you know, just stand out or that you apply to your life. You know, just one or two maybe nuggets that have come across your plate that you said, wow, I just have to, you know, I have to really reflect on this or you made notes on it or just something that you found that other people need to hear about. Sure. Yeah. So well, I think the first thing I would say is the reason I started doing getting into the podcast world, and and by the way, my podcast is just just in it's just it's just releasing. So I've been interviewing a whole bunch of people. It's just releasing now on the platforms, uh, and I got into it because I I found that I was meeting so many interesting people, and I'm. I'm, I'm kind of wired that way. There's probably some of your listeners are that way too. I just find people's stories and how they've accomplished things incredibly interesting. Uh, like I really tend to lean into them. So I, I wanted to get into podcasting because for me, it was a great way to circle back to people that I meet on, 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 you know, in, in my journeys and to have a really deep conversation about how they got to where they got to what kind of things they learned, what kind of insights did they find out? What are some of their stories when they were first starting out? Uh, you know, how did that come about? Uh, so I, I got into it for that particular reason. And so I try to bring that to my interviews, all the different interviews. So I would say that number one, number two is I think there's still some people that I've learned things from who um, I, I have yet to interview, but are on kind of the docket. Um, you know, I, there's one woman who stands out when you ask the question. I, I met her in a mastermind a couple of years ago. She was, uh, her name is Ann Wilson, and she is the wealth chef. Uh, that's her brand. And she's now a Hay House published author. When I first met Ann, she had a, 
a small blog called Stocks for Frocks and was just stepping into this world of um, online business and online marketing and what have you. And so in five years, she's gone from that to a global brand. And so uh, what I love about Anne is that she just steps into things with a sense of humor. Um, you know, she just did a segment uh, for Hay House uh, where she's got makeup on and everything. And I was like, that's interesting. I mean, she's always wearing makeup, but she's just, that would never stop her from appearing <laughs> in the past. She just, she's very scrappy that way. So um, just when you asked the question, my mind went right away to Anne. I think she's a fabulous friend. Um, I may be interviewing her shortly here. So uh, that's who stands out to me as someone who went from, you know, having a few little cool little things that she had done to blowing it up into something incredible. Um, there's a client that I have. Her name is Little Wu. And I, I remember about a decade ago, I got interested in how people build platforms. I remember South by Southwest was really, uh, which is this festival in Austin, which is for creatives, music, uh, film and everything was just getting rolling. And I was really starting to pay attention to people who uh, were creating platforms. Uh, so there was this guy back then called Ask a Ninja, who is a comedian. And he created this show, which became this global phenomena called Ask a Ninja. And it was actually kind of a silly premise. He dressed up like a ninja, said silly things, but it was funny. And I got interested in how that could, could um, translate into the coaching world. And so I've got this former client, Little Wu, who has a, a brand called um, the School of Enchantment. And she's, she's into unicorns, dragons, uh, pirates, mermaids. And she's building a global brand uh, around using those kind of metaphors to help people find their truth and find love in what they do. So I, I'm actually just generally interested how people can take an idea and blow that out as a global platform. And that really interests me today. So I'd love to hear how you define success personally. Um, I think that the, the key to having success today is what I call standing in your value. So really getting in touch with um, how you occur to others in the world and how to stand in that value and just uh, stand in your truth and, and, and do that. That's the key 100%. And the next one is how important do you feel? Is it for a person to discover their purpose or their calling or their why or their passion? I'll put different names on it because uh, you know, I find people, resonate with it in different ways, but how important is it for you feel for a person to find whatever it is they're called to do? Well, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, uh, well, I'll answer that two ways because I'm actually one of those people that initially struggled with that question because I just did what I did and I really enjoyed it. So when people would ask me that question, it would completely hang me up. So I think that you're, so my, now that I'm a little bit further along, I think that uh, I actually, my why is exactly what I do. Like I, I do what I do because it's what I love and that's my passion and my purpose. I, I struggled initially to attach a word to it or to describe it. And right. So yeah, I would say that that's maybe the way to, to approach that question. And now the final question, as I mentioned, it's the, um, the question that we try to ask everybody. And it's probably my favorite question because of the different answers that it elicits, right. but it's the time machine question. And so the time machine question is simply this stuff. If you could 
uh, go back in time, visit a younger version of yourself. You would know when you needed to, needed to visit the most. But if you could go back and visit a younger version of yourself based on what you've learned in the year since, what do you think you might tell a younger deaf? I'd, I'd tell my young, the younger deaf to quit being so damn reasonable. Uh, I'd say just be unreasonable. You know, like the, the key to having success in this world today is just pushing through that idea of being reasonable. It's more important to just be real, to push the boundaries, to stay in discomfort and put it all out there. I love that. And so, Duff, I guess, well, I'll follow up that question with one more mini question. Uh, That's really an add on to that question. But uh, would, you know, well, two part, would your younger self listen? And the second part to that question, I guess, is would you even jump into the time machine at all in the first place, knowing what we believe to know about um, the ripple effect or the butterfly effect? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with where I'm at in life. So to your, to your point, I probably would not jump back in the time machine. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with my trajectory. I mean, I, I live in a beautiful town, Victoria, BC, Canada. I have a very grounding environment. It's a half a million people. I, I walk my dog for two hours a day. It's either in the forest or the ocean. It's 10 minutes away either way. I've got a successful business with, I'm involved in a bunch of different ventures. I, I'm, I'm starting to think more about philanthropic things. So would I step in the time machine again? Probably not. I'm pretty cool with where I'm at. And, uh, I'm actually incredibly excited to share with the world, the kinds of things that I've learned in my life. Um, I have this expression I use in my show at the, at the end, which is to, uh, teach what you love and live from your truth. And so that's kind of the, the, the idea that I'm trying to carry forward into the world. Love it. So Duff, the, you know, the, that, that was the last official question, uh, but the unofficial question, which may be just as important, is if people have been uh, following along, listening, and want to learn more about either how they can work with you, uh, how they can hear the upcoming podcast, how they can grab the, uh, the score sheet, scoreboard, um, and just in general, where they can connect with you. Is there a place that you would send them? Is there a hub or where would you normally direct them to? Yeah, definitely. Um, you can go to theimpactscorecard.com. So that's theimpactscorecard.com. And that's a free uh, test. I can go through it. It takes you about three minutes and you'll get a sense of what we've been talking about today. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more beyond that, you want to, the podcast is called Off My Duff. You can look for it uh, upcoming on the, on the show um, platforms. Uh, and you can always go to DuffGardner.com, which is uh, Duff, D-U-F-F, like the beer, if you would watch The Simpsons. Uh, so DuffGardner, D-U-F-F, G-A-R-D-N-E-R.com. But any of those three spots, they can find out more about me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.